The Civil Engineering Podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network, which can be found at cement.media. That's cement, C-E-M-E-N-T dot media. Welcome to episode number 183 of the Civil Engineering Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping civil engineering professionals succeed in work and life. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, a civil engineer by background, but I now help engineering professionals become better managers and leaders through our training programs at the Engineering Management Institute. In this episode of the Civil Engineering Podcast, I'm going to have two guests. Firstly, Christina Tipp, professional geologist at SHN with 14 years of experience in engineering geologic consulting and geotechnical engineering, as well as her colleague at SHN, Jason Iceland, a licensed professional engineer, a senior civil engineer and regional principal with the firm with more than 20 years of experience as a civil engineer. Christina and Jason are going to talk about where geology crosses over with civil engineering and when a civil engineer might need to call in a professional geologist on their projects. This is a really interesting episode for me. First of all, I learned quite a bit about geological engineering and just more about how it's involved in civil engineering from Christina. But really what's most important about this episode is it's another episode that can help you as a civil engineering professional become more well-rounded. I talk about this a lot on the podcast. It's just better if you can talk about the different disciplines of civil engineering, better for your conversations with clients, with other people within your firm, knowing when you need these other disciplines involved. It can only help to drive your value as a civil engineering professional. Now, before we dive into the conversation for this week, I do want to remind you about our corporate training programs that we run at the Engineering Management Institute. We have our People, Skills, Leadership programs known as the Engineering Leadership Accelerator. We have our Project Management Training programs known as our Project Management Accelerator. As of recently, we've been designing custom programs where we've actually been building a hybrid of these two training programs. So we build a course specific to your company that includes people leadership skills and project management skills. Really the best of both worlds, which is what you need to succeed in today's world. So if you're interested in one of our general course offerings or a custom hybrid program, please check out engineeringmanagementinstitute.org or give us a call 800-920-4007. Again, that's 800-920-4007. And with that, let's dive into our civil engineering conversation of the week with Jason and Christina. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now I'd like to welcome our guests, that's guest plural, onto the podcast for today, Christina Tipp and Jason Iceland from SHN. Christina, Jason, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thank you, Anthony. All right, so let's start with you, Christina. Tell us about your role at SHN. I'm a licensed professional geologist and certified engineering geologist here in California. And at SHN, I get to do a bunch of things from scoping out work, getting out agreements, doing the field work, and then geology inspections, studies, looking for landslides, and writing geotechnical investigation reports. I get a wide range of projects up here, which keeps it really interesting. One of the things that I've been kind of wanting to ask you like leading up to this is, you know, you hear about geotechnical engineering, you hear about geology, you hear about geological engineering. 
it's a lot of different terms and I'm not sure if they're similar. Talk to us about geological engineering, what that is. I think that's a term that I've heard, but I'm not familiar with. Some of the projects we do just involve looking at rock slopes in a quarry or someone's going to be cutting a road in. Rural roads are popular up here. And I'll go and take a look at the cuts, the rocks, see if there's any like adverse bedding conditions, which may lead to failures like rock slides, wedge failures, or even little slumps in the future. So we look at a lot of what's out there, how will it affect what they want to do? Or will their, the project and the grading they want to do affect, cause something to fail in the future? So we look at what's there, what's happened, and how does that relate with the planned project? When you're talking about geology, you're talking about maybe the study of these rocks and things of that nature. But when you get into geological engineering, you're looking now at like how an, a project could impact it you know, if you're cutting through it, if you're putting stress on it or something along those lines, then you need someone to take a look at it and, and try to provide information on how it might respond to that project. Is that accurate? Yeah. One of our biggest questions is what are the risks? Are there, what has happened before, or is there a fault line there? And sometimes a perfectly flat site even has its own geologic hazards. You could have a big earthquake, which causes liquefaction and settlement. So buildings may, foundations may go crooked or houses may settle a little bit on a fill edge. So we're looking at what risks could happen. And there's so many different sites with their own geologic hazards from the mountains to the foothills, to the valleys, everything near stream channels, like everything we try to look at and see how it'll affect the project. Sounds interesting. And I had a flashback to geotechnical engineering class when you said liquefaction. I remember that that wasn't my uh, forte. (laughs) All right. So let's hop over to you, Jason. Tell us a little bit about what you do on a daily basis at SHN. I'm a professional engineer, civil engineer, and I currently manage our two offices down here in Mendocino County. So we're about three hours north of Bay Area, San Francisco. One of our offices is on the coast. The other one is about a, a 45 minutes inland. So I get to do a wide range of things from managing our staff here and working with our teams. I also get to do a whole lot of hands-on work. I work as a city engineer for a very small town just south of here, a coastal town, the smallest incorporated city in Northern California. A range of municipal and uh, private work. We do a lot of work that's sort of from start to finish, from conceptual, getting the funding for the projects, all the way through construction management and project closeout. I get a lot of hands-on opportunities to work with projects through the entire entire duration of the project. You have a lot of experience, of course, working on different civil-type projects kind of through the duration of the projects. Can you talk a little bit about why it's important for civil engineers to have knowledge on different disciplines involved that go into a civil project? I mean, a project that has, and every project does, have multiple disciplines that contribute to the design and the implementation of the project. And the more that there's sort of a wide angle, big picture view of how all those disciplines tie together for a successful project, the better integrated the project's going to be. The more that all the different parts are talking to each other, the better the project is going to turn out in the end. So the more that you can understand how all those parts go together and 
and even have some working knowledge of how those other disciplines are going to contribute to whatever portion of the project that you're working on lends to the success of the project. That's certainly one of my goals with this podcast is to help to be able to educate civil engineering professionals on the different disciplines that they may need to access or may need to understand, obviously, which is why you know we're bringing Christina in here and having Jason together to talk about this. It also depends a little bit on the company you work for. You know, some civil engineers have the luxury of working in a multidisciplinary firm. Obviously, like at SHN, you have multiple services that you offer, which is nice. Still means you need to know what they are because you need to know when you need to access people, when you need to pull people into projects, which is important. But also for those of you listening that work in a company that is maybe smaller and you don't offer all these other services, it's also important for you to understand the need and to build relationships with other companies or consultants that offer those services so that you're able to provide them to a client. If you want to get a project, it's easier to get a project if you can say, we have other companies we work with so we can provide all these services. And I know that it's not easy to learn those things. Sometimes in your career, you need to reach out, you need to build relationships, you need to start to maybe even do some learning online, take a course, understand what it is. And we're hoping that through this podcast, For example, for those of you out there that weren't that familiar with geological engineering can walk away with an understanding of what it is and when you might need to find someone like Christina, whether that's in your company or in another consultant that you need to reach out to. So that's really, you know, one of the main reasons for this episode, of course, and for the greater podcast. So Jason, following up on that a little bit, talk to us about some of the civil engineering projects that you may have worked on where you needed to get geological engineering involved on the project, just so our listeners maybe can understand that from the project perspective. So I knew this question was coming, and the, the answer is every project. Geotechnical and then survey is another one that almost every project, site civil anyway, we really need to know what the site conditions are before we can embark on any kind of design process. And so foundations, retaining walls, cut slopes, infrastructure, underground work, HDB work, it all requires a geotechnical report. It all fits together. Absolutely. So usually at Project Kickoff, when we conceptualize a project and start in on it, we get Christina or you know someone with a geotechnical background involved early on and start asking questions like, what can we anticipate from the geotechnical side? How is this going to affect our design, our scope, the tasks that we end up doing for the project? It's essential right up front to to understand the the geologic component to the design. Christina, let me ask you a question there in terms of education for people. For example, we'll take your company. Is there some level of education that has to be done or do you, in order to educate maybe some of the professionals that aren't aware of what you do and when they might need you? How would one know to reach out to you, like in the examples that Jason may give? We've had a lot of jobs with water tanks, and those are up in the hills. So we always want to know, number one question is, what foundation is it going to go on? And then the next question is, well, is there rock up there? Where's the rock? How much soil do we have? What loads can we put on the soil? So everyone is really good about reaching out when they need a geologist at SHN. I was a bit new to having all the departments here, and I love that I can walk down the hall and talk to a civil when it's something kind of out of my range. But a lot of people come to us because they're told that they need a soils report or they need a CEG to look at a site. So they'll come to me. They may not know why it's required. 
but then I get the task of explaining to them the conditions. Maybe they're in a fault hazard zone or a liquefaction zone, landslide hazard zone. There's all these hazard zones that get mapped. And in Northern California, we have so many fault lines up here that you should just always be ready for a big earthquake. So all of our designs have to take that into account too. I enjoy explaining it to people and trying to help them understand why we're important. And the reason I bring that up is because I do think that if you work in a multidisciplinary civil engineering company, there's lots of opportunities for education. That if you're listening and you work in a multidisciplinary firm as a civil engineer, let's say, for example, and you're not aware of all the other disciplines and what they do, like maybe there's a Christina sitting in another office in your company and you don't know that, or you don't know what he or she can do, that's not good. You want to have that information. So maybe you take the initiative or you reach out to your company. Maybe there's a training department and they could put together some monthly lunch and learns where different professionals can talk about what they do. Quite frankly, it's very beneficial, not only for your projects, but also for business development. I mean, if you know you have these other services available to you, when you go out and you pitch clients on projects, you can speak more freely about them and or have the right person with you to do that. I kind of think of a, a miss in a lot of multidisciplinary firms that can potentially do a better job of that. So I would encourage you to think through that a little bit and see where there's opportunities for that. And for you, if you yourself have an expertise in a certain area in your field, why not put together you know, a one-hour session or a lunch brown bag that you can do for your company? It can really help other people. And I think that sometimes we miss out on that experience. Jason and Christina, I want to ask you to... Do you have a project you could talk about here that whether you worked on together or like an, an example that you can talk through again, just so our listeners can understand the interaction between these two different disciplines? Christine and I were talking about this, and we'd actually talk about this stream restoration fish passage, say that three times fast, project that we both worked on that has some pretty traditional use of the geotechnical component in the design, but also some more creative uses of the borings to realign the stream. So this project is a grant-funded project by Trout Unlimited. It's a road with a culvert that is has been flagged as a block to fish passage. And uh, our job from the beginning, from the conceptual level, and we'll probably take this project all the way through construction, is to replace that culvert, put in a large arch culvert or a bridge to allow the stream that is channeled through a small undersized culvert that is above the natural stream bed down to its natural level. So restoring the stream bed to its pre-road condition. So this is a a typical civil design where we're going to want geotech for the foundation footing design for the culvert and to understand the soils and to understand the cut slopes that we can uh, design in. But then there were a whole lot of questions. This particular project has bedrock banks that we can see on on either side of the road where there's a lot of fill. But in speaking with Fish and Game and Trout Unlimited and the other folks on this design team, there was a lot of speculation about where that original stream bed profile was prior to the road and the culvert being placed in. When we did the geotechnical borings, we did five borings um, down through the top of the road that are you know, 30, 40 feet deep, one of the things that we wanted to determine was where that bedrock was. And by determining that bedrock, we were actually kind of able to map out where the original stream bed was to inform how the new arch culvert can be aligned to best work in a way that the stream in the future will be able to find its natural course in the way that it wants to flow. 
which is the ultimate goal of the project. Christina, your role would be to look at those results from the borings and try to make some determinations around that. Yeah, I was the one doing the drilling. So I'm making the call out there, one, putting the borings in the right spot to help give a good cross-section in the ground on what's going on. And so I'm logging the soils and the rock as it's coming up. And I'm trying to figure out what was fill, what was placed there when they constructed the road, where's the native soil that was there originally, and then where the surface of the rock is. And those borings showed quite a variety of different levels of rock where the fill is and the one boring that was like the money boring i hit like marshy sediment you'd expect in the bottom of a creek and then the rock also there was a lot weaker than on the sides so i knew that that was definitely where the original channel was aligned and it was a little bit different from where the team had thought it was so i thought that was really interesting and fun to see that's a perfect example. So now going back to maybe the civil design or layout of the stream, you know where you need to go and you're able to back it up to show these agencies because you have the data to do so. Is that right, Jason? Correct. You know, the Fish and Wildlife, Trout Unlimited, they're interested in restoring this stream bed to an alignment that will result in a natural stream bed that is allows for fish passage. And Christina's work basically mapped out and gave us the data that we needed to come up with an informed design. One last question that I have for you, Christina, before we jump into our hot seat segment. In terms of you know your background, your career, if there's someone out there that maybe wants to go in that direction, talk to us a little bit about your background in terms of schooling and you know what path someone might go down to learn some of the to pick up that knowledge that you've learned. I always picked up rocks and never stopped. So I knew I was going to study geology. No questions about it. I wasn't going to be drilling for oil, but I knew I would find something. So I studied geology and I got a job with my bachelor's degree right away. There's so many jobs for geologists out there. So if you're interested in it, go for it. Tons of jobs, not even engineering. There's just a lot of jobs right now for geologists. And then I also pursued master's degree also in geology because I can't give it up. And I've always been in geotechnical engineering. I was in the Bay Area for quite a few years before making the move farther north to where I am now. And the consulting here for engineering geology is just so varied. There's so many projects. It's really fun to do. So I would just encourage anybody thinking about it. If there's a webinar that sounds interesting or a networking event you want to do, like go check it out. And any geologist I meet or any engineer who's thinking of crossing over, I'm happy to spend any time with. I love sharing what I know or helping somebody out. I've always loved being a mentor to like younger geologists and helping them find their path, even if it's not the path that I chose. I really like engineering geology because of the variety and I like the field work and writing reports and all the people I meet. There are also licenses and certifications which you have around geology. Can you mention those? The first license you can get with your bachelor's in geology is the professional geologist license. I think it's like three years experience with a degree. It's a tough test, but if you study, you'll pass the first time, no problem. <laughs> you just got to study. And then 
with a few more years and working under some awesome geologists, I went for my certified engineering geologist, which is the next level. And that's more focused on just engineering, not mining and environmental. And that is probably as far as I could go for right now. I'm super proud of having that license. Just so everyone knows, Christina is located in California, and you can check with your state board, depending on what state you're in, for the different licenses and certifications and what the requirements are. I know that my professional engineering license is in New York, and while I was practicing in New York, I don't practice engineering anymore, they did start also offering the license to geologists. So in some states, it may have been around for a while. Some states, it might be newer. But if at one point it wasn't for you, you might want to keep checking because they are becoming more prevalent across the US, and I think that's great. So. What we're going to do now is we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with Jason and Christina, put them on the civil engineering career hot seat, and then we'll wrap this one up. So stick around. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right. I'm back with Jason Iceland and Christina Tipp from SHN. We talked a lot about the crossover between geological engineering and civil engineering on projects, which is really interesting and something that I hope you know you can take away really just how to broaden your horizon in the civil engineering industry so you, you understand the different disciplines that are out there. But now what we're going to do is we're going to wrap up by putting both Jason and Christina on the hot seat together and just asking some career-related questions. So Christina, I'm going to start with you. Are there any specific rituals that you practice every day? Do you have a specific morning or lunchtime routine or just something that you do daily that has contributed to your success? I don't know why, but I always eat lunch outside. <laughs> I've always done this, but that's what I do. I think that's actually helpful for the day-to-day -day is at the end of each day, I write my to-do list for the next day. So when I come in, I just come in running, get it done. Jason, how about you? I start every morning with a run outside, fresh air, and same thing at lunch. I just I get myself away from the screen, take a walk, catch up with someone in person, eat lunch outside, just take a break. I think that fresh air and just talking informally with other people, taking a break helps to keep grounded and, and keep the creative juices flowing. All right. So next question here, and we'll let you go first on this one, Jason. Is there one book that you might recommend doesn't necessarily have to be engineering specific, but just a book that may have helped you in your career, general, that just stands out for you. I actually just recently read this book, Our Towns by James and Deborah Fallows, that's uh, about public-private collaboration in medium-sized towns across the country. I guess I read it several years ago, and it came a time when I was really doing more and more municipal work, working with these small towns and small communities. And it was really inspiring to me just in terms of what we can accomplish when we collaborate and cooperate, especially in these smaller towns where we see the work that we do, we see how it affects our communities. Anyway, I found that book really helpful and inspiring. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I love it when there is a book that you can find that can inform what you do on a daily basis. It's not always easy to do, you know, as an engineer outside of a technical book, of course, or technical standard. So it's great to hear that. How about you, Christina? My book would be more for pleasure. It's called Misadventure, and it's by a volcanologist who's kind of shared some of her field experience and finding geology a little later than other people. But I have a lot of odd stories of being in the field, and she does too. So I find it very entertaining. Is this fiction or is this nonfiction? 
It's based on her true um, projects and research. She gets right up in volcanoes and loves it and goes to other countries and dives right in. And that was Misadventure? Yeah, by Jess Phoenix. All right, I've got one last question for both of you. And Christina, I'll let you go first on this one. We call this the civil engineering career elevator advice question. So if you got into an elevator with a professional in this field and you had 30 to 40 seconds with him or her based on your career to date, what advice would you give them around their career development? I would tell them to be ready for the variety of subsurface conditions that are out there because all the holes I've drilled and test pits I've seen and trenches I've been in, they are all different. Two holes next to each other are not going to be the same. So I love the variety and I would just tell them to get ready for it. So if you're looking for something that's boring and the same every day, don't go into geology, basically. (laughs) But you can call me and I'll do it for you. (laughs) And how about you, Jason? What advice would you give in that 30 to 40 seconds? So I would say get out in the field a lot. Visit the site before you start the design, during the design, during construction. If there's any opportunity to be involved in construction management, uh, be part of the construction, get out there. There's just a ton to be learned from being out on the site throughout all phases. And then go visit the project after it's completed. See how it performs. Just get out there and see it and see how your design and what, what you're doing actually is implemented out on the site. That's great. I really like that advice because, you know, obviously we know Christina and what she's doing, she's going to be out in the field. But for civil engineers, as important as it is, what Jason just said, we don't always get that experience. I was lucky to start my career as a surveyor for as interning as a surveyor in college, which really opened me up to the field and what goes on out there. So when I got into the office and had to start designing sites, I had a good feel for how they were constructed, which is, I think, makes it much easier to do the designs and do practical designs. But to Jason's point, there is a possibility that you go and start working in a company and you start jumping right into design work and you don't really get as much field experience as you could. And that would be helpful for you. So really, really make it a point to lobby for that time out in the field with your supervisor. Or if you are a manager or a supervisor of teams, get them field experience. You know, you can look at it from that perspective, take them to sites with you because I wasn't a huge fan of surveying when I started doing it just because, you know, you're standing out all day. I was in the heat and I'm thinking to myself, engineering sounds like it was more fun than what I was doing. But when I ultimately started working on projects, I realized that the surveying and that field experience was really invaluable because I was able to have better conversations with people around how projects are built. And I felt like I knew what they were talking about. And so super valuable advice. So once again, Jason Iceland and Christina Tip from SHN, I thank both of you for spending some time with us here on the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jason and Christina. Again, for those of you out there that are managing civil professionals, I hope that you can take from this episode the importance of being well-rounded and talk to them about it and offer those lunch and learns and do some of that cross-training across disciplines in your firm. Or if you work for a firm that doesn't have a lot of different disciplines, go out there and build relationships so you build up that knowledge and those relationships for where you need them. Remember, you can find the show notes for this episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com. Look for episode number 183. There you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. 
The Civil Engineering Podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network. The opinions on the show are those of the hosts and guests, not their employers. For information on EMI's people and project management skills training programs for civil engineering professionals, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.